Welcome to episode four of our CCNI podcast series. This is the first of two episodes looking at issues arising when dealing with witnesses and suspects during the course of investigations. Today's episode is going to be focused on employment issues that can arise in this context. We're going to be dealing with issues such as what employment issues should we be considering when dealing with those suspected of wrongdoing or those falling short of uh, the company's expectations? How should we deal with whistleblowers and witnesses? And also, what are the options from an employment standpoint when dealing with someone found to have acted improperly after the course of investigation? I'm delighted today to be joined by my colleagues, Christine Young and Jonathan Matu. Christine is a partner in the employment team uh, in London at HSF, and uh, Jonathan is a corporate crime and investigations partner in Paris. And so we'll be able to bring a European flavour to uh, these discussions. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Rob. John, starting with you, um, what are some of the practical considerations that uh, organisations need to consider when interacting with employees um, in the um, investigation context? So, Rob, I think it's it's important to bear in mind that uh, we are currently, uh, and that's true for France and, and many uh, European countries, in fact, in a situation where there is still not much in the law in terms of internal investigations, and and we are seeing more and more guidance uh, being issued, and these uh, are not uh, always binding, but nonetheless, they do create or they try to create some uh, standards helping companies to know how to to proceed, and so and, and that's very much the case for France, uh, uh, you know, as an illustration. And uh, uh, actually, uh, three days ago, uh, uh, joint new joint guidelines were issued by the French prosecuting authorities, the financial uh, prosecutor, uh, jointly with the French anti-corruption agency on uh, inter- anti-corruption internal investigations. And so that is a fairly significant development to see uh, such authorities issuing uh, guidelines on, you know, how these process should be run, uh, with a view, of course, that this may end up uh, in the hand of the authorities who would look at them and maybe uh, uh, finally with with the courts. And we also uh, have a had a similar exercise of guidelines issued by the French bar, which uh, uh, as well gives some some guidance on how to 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 proceed. So I think it's important to bear in mind that there are some. Uh, developments, uh, uh, you know, soft law, not binding, but still more and more, we are reaching uh, a point where, uh, um, you know, we want, or, or there is a movement on, on seeing more in the law, uh, mainly to, to, to get more protection, protection mm-hmm. guarantees around this process. And, and I think that's an important trend. Having said that, some key issues, and obviously I'm not going to men- mention them all, uh, to bear in mind, uh, one is is preservation, and so it's 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 a classic one. Is is you know one wants to preserve uh, information, documents, and 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 often wants to be seen as well as having done so at the very early stages to 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 be able to you know explain the authority that the process was uh, an honest and, and fair process from the outset, and and that you know evidence did not disappear. And, and everything was done to, to preserve that. And so 
So that means uh, some level of interaction sometimes with uh, employees to make sure they're not going uh, uh, to, 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 to act in a, in a manner that, that would disrupt this, this process. So sometimes notices or sometimes in the course of or during an interview to, to make sure that you would mention that to, to an employee, that the employer would mention that to, to an employee uh, to, to maximize preservation. So I think preservation is a, is a very important one. And then I would say an, another classic, very important one is confidentiality. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that really deals with uh, uh, how the, the process, again, uh, can be trusted and, and, and in a way that uh, you're trying to, to avoid some disruptions from you know, people uh, speaking to one another, uh, probably having uh, a, an impact that would damage uh, the internal investigation. So um, that actually, uh, uh, in certain circum- circumstances, and, and, and especially you know, when internal investigation started as a result of, of someone blowing the whistles through a so-called alert, through sometimes, you know, the hotline or, or internal hotline, the equivalent. Uh, uh, and sometimes confidentiality actually is a, is a legal uh, obligation. And so this point is critical because it, it can, uh, beside the process of the internal investigation, can lead to uh, actual, uh, you know, legal risk, criminal exposure uh, uh, against uh, the, the company or actually the internal investigators within companies, uh, you know, conducting the the investigation. So I think these are essential elements, and and then you have some, I would say, general principles that have to be uh, 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 you know considered always considered, which is uh, loyalty. Loyalty uh, uh, goes both ways. Actually, it's not only employees vis-à-vis the employer, but it's also this idea of proportionality in the reaction from the employer towards uh, employees, uh, which is uh, essential, and you know preserve uh, uh, employees from uh, self-incrimination, for example. So some basic rights, but nonetheless very important rights, have to be uh, 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 preserved. But then it's a case-by-case situation because uh, an employer uh, has uh, the rights and sometimes probably it's, it's close to a duty actually to, to, to know what happened in specific situation. Um, and, and then you have to distinguish a uh, situation from, from, you know, where an employer is sometimes assisted by external counsel to run this process, or it is, I would say, only the employer going after facts to, to understand what happened. And then the, the situation and sometimes the rights uh, or the standards may May differ. So I'm, I'm going to stop here, not to be too long, but uh, just to try and, and set the scene of, of you know, important key topics uh, on this topic. Great. Thanks, John. And very interesting to hear developments in France there um, about uh, the authorities becoming, it sounds like, more prescriptive about how internal investigations are run and um, uh, to, pr- to protect the process and also presumably the employees' rights during those, those processes as well. Um, Christine, just turning to you now, um, in terms of, uh, you know, dealing with those suspected of wrongdoing within the organization, um, say we have a situation where, um, there's been a whistleblower who's made an allegation that a, a senior employee has been involved in, um, fraud or bribery and corruption. Um, 
what does the, the that that sort of situation is obviously you know often a nightmare for for a client and they're they're um, that one of the first things they have to consider is what do we do with um, the the person who the, the suspect um, we don't really know whether or not these allegations are true it could take quite a long time to find out um, we obviously have to be fair to them but also we have to um, protect the organization what are sort of the practical steps that um, that, that companies can take in that situation Absolutely. And unfortunately, these things come up more and more. Um, I think there's a few key steps to, to think about at the start. So the first is being clear with the suspect that where you're doing an investigation, that it is a fact finding investigation. You're not trying to make decisions at that point anyway about what action, if any, to take against them, because um, that might prejudice the, the subsequent processes or be seen to be predetermining the outcome of them. Um, but obviously the facts coming from those will no doubt um, inform the subsequent processes. Um, as, as Jonathan was talking about, you need to um, remind them to keep the investigation confidential and they shouldn't be discussing it with anyone else because we don't want them to prejudice the investigation either by uh, going to speak to, to other people. Uh, but with the usual caveats, obviously they can go and seek legal advice or speaking to regulators and complying with legal obligations and seeing seeking professional advice. Um, they also shouldn't be approaching any witnesses um, or doing anything that would look like that they're interfering with the investigation or might be seen as retaliation. Sometimes people can kind of overreact and think, I can sort this out myself. And no, they best best not. Um, the other question that's often asked is, well, should we be suspending the suspect mm. at this point pending the outcome of the investigation? And that's um, that's a tricky question. And it's definitely worth thinking about at the outset. But uh, firstly, what does the contract say? Do you actually have a right to do that um, under the contract? Um, if you do have a right to do so, you, you still need to think about it very carefully, because in the UK, um, the case law is clear now that suspension is not considered a neutral act. Um, so <clears throat> if you're going to do it, and um, it could be considered a knee jerk reaction and that could cause some employment liability for the organisation. Um, so you, you really need to ask yourself two things. Would um, pre would this person prejudice the investigation if they weren't suspended? So, for example, mm. could they be impacting on the collection of evidence? Could they be speaking to witnesses or worst case, could they be trying to destroy evidence, which unfortunately we have we have seen cases of? Or would they secondly, would they otherwise damage the business by continuing to be present? And in some organizations, given the sensitivity of the role, the employer may consider actually there is too much of a risk there. Um, so in either case, you want to have considered that rather than just assume you should be suspending somebody. Um, they should be on full pay whilst they're suspended and keep that suspension as short as possible. Um, obviously, these things need to be handled very sensitively. So just be careful what you're saying to staff about someone who's been mm. suspended. You know, we shouldn't be saying, oh, we suspended this person. They're just not available at the moment. Please see this other person. Because at the moment, we are just investigating. We have not made any findings against the person and we shouldn't be impeding their reputation unless until there are findings against them. If there isn't a contractual right in the UK, there, there can be a common law basis for doing it. Um, it's less ideal, but it's not impossible to suspend someone, even if the contract doesn't allow for that. But it's just a bit more complicated. Um, is, there, is there a difference, Christine, between suspension and pay and asking an employee to go on and pay paid leave, essentially? 
Yes. Yeah, so, so, so very often what we would try to do is ask them first. You know, mm. it might be in your interest to be on paid leave just now. Um, we are happy to accommodate that and try and do it on a mutually agreed basis. Um, that's fine unless and until the individual decides they're not happy with that anymore and they want to come back. Because the problem right. with these investigations, is they can often take some time. Mm. And so the person may be fine for a week or so. And then they may say, well, hang on, actually, I want to get back to work. And then you may have to move into the more formal suspension. But it was a preference to try agreed leave first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the other things just to think about would also be getting to, uh, their devices and uh, the sort of things that you would normally do in investigation. But obviously with the suspect, the, their evidence is perhaps more crucial than anyone else's. So trying to get a hold of that quite early on, especially if you're about to suspend them um, yeah. before they leave. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think you mentioned before these issues of sort of confidentiality and what what um, uh, what other people are told within the organization is always um, really uh, important and, and can be quite difficult to deal with um, because quite often people will realize that something's up. <laughs> You know, there may have been something in the press or then, you know, word may have got out that um, because people talk. Right. And so um, in practice, it's actually I've, I've found certainly investigations we've dealt with trying to enforce confidentiality is, is very difficult. And you almost have to assume from an investigator's standpoint that that's not going to happen, <laughs> even though you obviously tell the employees that that's uh really um important that they, that they do so um one one question that quite often comes up when when you're asking people to attend interviews or be involved in, in an internal investigation is can i can i tell my boss i need to tell my boss that i'm not going to be available what do mm -hmm. i tell them do you have any recommendations for sort of how 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 they that sort of situation is dealt with yeah, it's a good, it's a good point, and it does come up often, um, even whether they're former employees as well, and they're outside of the organisation, which is even more complicated. Um, yeah, it, it's worth agreeing at the outset the the wording. You know, what is it the person can say? Because usually they just need to say, I, I'm, "I've been asked to help with an investigation, and 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 I, I have a meeting," rather than having to get into the specifics. Mm. Um, and that's probably as much as needs to be said, because you don't want to provide more information than is necessary. Um, yeah. Otherwise, you're widening the, the group of people who know about the particular facts. Yeah. John, any um, any differences in 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 France um, with the way you sort of deal with suspects at that sort of early stage of an investigation? It's probably just to flag a couple of points. I think what we are discussing here and actually in, in it's very true in the French context, because we see more and more of, of you know, these investigation that um, emphasizes the need usually for the organizations to get good, precise, uh, widely uh, 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 released uh, internal policies and guidelines on this so that um, you, you want as an organization to be in a position where your employees know, you know what can happen in terms of process, in terms of access to your data, in terms of uh, rights. And, and because we, we are seeing and are going to see more and more disputes um, trying to challenge uh, the process sometimes of these investigations it, it is essential to to to, to preempt that so that everybody knows everybody knows you know what may happen so i would i would just uh 
flag that, that you know, internal policies on this and, and, and obviously ensuring uh, employees are made aware beforehand is, is a very important point. And that is true also, um, something that Christine mentioned with regard to uh, uh, devices, for example, professional devices. There is always um, um, uh, or often a need to get access to laptops, to uh, professional, you know, mobile phones, uh, which can be um, sensitive issues because, uh, I mean, first, because it's it's pretty intrusive, uh, and, and, and second, because sometimes that mixes personal information, personal data with professional ones. Although, you know, even if one employee is not supposed to use, in, 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 in theory, in principle, a professional device, to, to you know for for personal use we know it, it often happens and and actually from a French uh, legislation perspective uh, as, as as you may know there is there is very strong and also at an EU level as you know a very strong protection uh, uh, towards you know privacy uh, uh, personal data etc and so I, I think these uh, points are key. I mean, they're not only key for for suspects. They're, they're pretty. They're key for uh, you know pretty much every every employees. Um, but uh, you know, accessing data in the right way is is key. And also being in a position where you can demonstrate if someone is challenging the way uh, data was accessed, uh, demonstrating that you know one did not access personal data or try to make you know everything. Uh, 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 right, not 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 to to do so, or, or not to 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 look, to read, to go through personal uh, and, uh, information. So I, th- I think these these are really important. And then when it comes to the question of you know suspension, these are you know more employment law related issues, and and we are always you know addressing that with with a specialist on on this point. But uh, from a French law perspective, there, there's always a, a, a an important question to 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 ask yourself is. Um, did the employer know about the wrongdoings and when? And and that is key because um, the employer has a, a window of two months uh, uh, to 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 take a decision when it comes to disciplinary measures. And so, um, as you know, when when you investigate uh, uh, difficult, complex facts, um, you, you often learn or get the proper understanding pretty late in the process because you're trying to, to put together the pieces of the puzzle and, and and you still need to bear in mind this consideration so that the employer uh, uh, would not jeopardize his uh, uh, possibility to, 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 to take disciplinary measure in a way that you know would not be challenge in the future i mean it can be but you know to try to avoid you know difficult uh, legal battle in, in in court and we've we've seen that exact point um in in other jurisdictions in continental europe as well because it is it's actually a little bit different in the uk we don't have a statutory time limit but it's still subject to reasonableness so uh, you can't mm. you can't delay un- unreasonably um and that then causes a, a, a challenge if you've got a, a complicated investigation that could run for many, many months um, or even longer than that. But you have a very short window in which to take action um, that we've seen that play out and that, that, that can be very tricky to deal with. Yeah, I would just probably add two things quickly is, is 
confidentiality remains key, even vis-a-vis suspects, because you need to 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 preserve, you know, uh, uh, the identity uh, to to still, uh, you know, bear in mind some protection in a way. So the process should not be that different. Uh, uh, I, I think that's a very, a very important point. And, and and then, you know, throughout the process, sometimes uh, there are going to be some interviews, for example, and uh, uh, under the French approach, if interviews are being uh, 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 led, conducted by an external counsel, not internally, external counsel, I would say that the the, the good practice really is to systematically ensuring that the witness uh, can be and, and, and I would say is assisted by independent counsel. Um, if if such interview is conducted internally, you know, by the employer only, then uh, uh, it is a, a different scene. It is a, a, a different uh, environment. But if uh, uh, external counsel do run the investigation, uh, that is actually the, I would say, recommended practice by, by the bar. And that's interesting because this is slightly different in the UK in that it, it, it's, if it's um, part of an inter- the, the external counsel are doing it, but it's part of an internal investigation, um, then it's not normally the practice of having legal representation. If there are regulatory reasons, um, so, for example, if it's in, um, part of a financial services firm and there is potential regulatory consequences, then that is that is different. And we, usually you would have legal representation because of the potential consequences for the individual or if there's a criminal angle to it. But if it's um, a more sort of um, more common employment related matter, we wouldn't normally in the UK have legal representation present for the investigation meetings. Yeah, great. Well, um, let's move on to whistleblowers because uh, this is all, um, a uh, a topic that um, you know frequently comes up, and again creates um, sometimes some some difficulties and some difficult issues to deal with. Um, Christine, when dealing with um, if a uh, investigation has been triggered by a complaint by a whistleblower, what are the sorts of things that um, companies need to bear in mind when dealing with that whistleblower? So, so whistleblowers in the UK, if they fall within the definition um, under uh, PETA, which is our, our legislation, then um, they um, are protected at law from suffering detriment as a result of making their what we call protected disclosures, so blowing the whistle. Um, to know whether someone is is falls within that, um, there's, a, there's a specific test which looks at whether you've disclosed information which you reasonably believe tends to show particular things like breaches of legal obligations, criminal acts, miscarriages of justice, health and safety or environmental breaches. If you fall within that, then the worker has to show they have a reasonable belief that the disclosure is in the public interest, which is relatively low bar in in the case law. So if you meet that test, the employer must be very careful to make sure that the person doesn't suffer any detriment. What that means is you usually have to be very careful about disclosing the identity of the whistleblower in case of the risk that there could be some kind of detriment, retaliation, that kind of thing. Um, And indeed, in some sectors, there's actually an obligation not to disclose the identity of the individual. Um, But but generally at law in the UK, that's that's not the case. But you obviously would practically try to keep that as confidential as possible. 
which can cause problems in terms of investigating mm. because of course sometimes the nature of the disclosure might give away the identity of the individual depending on what it is so um, it's just going to bear in mind and also in terms of um, doing an investigation anonymizing certain aspects of it so that you're not giving away the identity of the whistleblowers um, in the context of your own reporting of the investigation um, so yeah, just to be very careful about that um, the uh, otherwise the person may end up with having a, a claim um, in the employment tribunal if they're a worker who suffered that kind of detriment. Great and John any um, differences uh, in whistleblower protections in the EU? So there, there seem to be you know similarities here of course um, as you may know uh, there's been a, a recent EU directive on the topic you know with new common definitions and as far as French is concerned, as an example here, uh, the, the, we had a law uh, last year transposing the EU directive and we have a so-called decree uh, last October, October the 3rd, uh, very specific, you know, uh, telling uh, uh, um, companies or administration, you know, how they should put these in place and the type of protections that needs to be provided. So uh, we, we, we see the similar you know, IDs, no retaliation, uh, confidentiality. Uh, but I would say, with regard to, to France, uh, it is not the first law on the topic, but uh, clearly this law is, is adding layers of protections uh, uh, to the benefit of whistleblowers. So when, when Christine was saying, you know, the, the, the test is, is pretty low bar, uh, uh, I would say it's probably the same, and, and even, even more now. There is a, an, an element of good faith, uh, which is still essential, of course, from whistleblower, uh, and, and that's probably the most important test. And then what we see is uh, a wider, uh, 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 I would say, type of persons who can be admitted and benefit from the protection of whistleblower. And such protection goes pretty far in terms of, uh, uh, you know, immunity, some form of legal immunity from both a civil and a criminal perspective, for example, for a whistleblower who did access certain documents, uh, which may have been in, in an unlawful way otherwise, but because it is intended to, to support, uh, uh, you know, this alert in, in such a way, then uh, can benefit from such immunity. There is uh, uh, more risk for an employer who uh, you know would uh, act in a way that may be seen as retaliation more risk in terms of uh, penalties uh, you know fines of a criminal nature um, and 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 then i would say what is probably different is um, the 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 expectation that the whistleblower will deal with the the alert in 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 a very uh, uh, quick and efficient way. And in other words, for example, you know, there, there is a need for the employer to, to respond no, no later than seven days after having uh, received the alert and also to uh, uh, let the whistleblower know about the measures taken afterwards uh, uh, within a certain time frame, which should be reasonable. So there, there is more expectations and, and, and actually obligations on, on uh, the organization's shoulder, shoulder to, to really address this, uh, these issues. And so, uh, um, it's, it's still fairly, fairly, fairly new, fairly recent, but, uh, really widespread because any organization with at least 50 employees should be equipped with a proper 
uh, uh, tool or hotline and then consecutively adopt these new uh, uh, very prescriptive measures and, and, and within these is also stronger protection in terms of, again, confidentiality, uh, you know, not disclosing uh, and there is criminal exposure if you do so, you know, identity of the whistleblowers, but also of potential other people who might be witnesses, actually, who are named in the alert. Uh, and, and, and the same goes with, you know, just disclosing personal data that are part of, of the alert. So, so really stronger protection uh, um, and uh, an impact on how organizations have to be structured now in terms to be more and more professional in dealings with the alerts and to have specific processes to 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 deal with the alerts they they receive and i, I think it's it's a really interesting contrast because i think we do we've had whistleblowing protection for many years in the uk and so we have quite a body of case law um, that supports the 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 statute and things like good faith is not a requirement any longer in the UK. Uh, you, so you can you can in bad faith be, become a whistleblower and have protection, but um, you may just have a reduction in the award that you get in, in terms of the employment tribunal. Um, and also just um, that the, you're protected in terms of your disclosure. But if you do something unlawful in in the manner in which you in connection with your disclosure, you can still have action taken against you in contrast to the position and in 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 um the eu so i think um my my point to um clients would be just there are jurisdictional differences and it's worth just checking where your whistleblower is um if you are dealing with a cross-border investigation yeah and that was that question i was going to ask actually if if the whistleblower themselves has been involved in wrongdoing um say for example they um, they blow the whistle and say, well, yeah, I've been doing this, but I felt very uncomfortable about it. I, my boss made me do it. Um, is there, do, do the whistleblowing protections in the UK and the EU mean that, you know, they're, they're essentially untouchable in those, in that situation? So in the UK, they're not untouchable. And indeed, there's case law to support that. So if you've done something unlawful, um, even if it's in connection with the whistleblowing, that you're not protected from that. And, and, and we often see these in employment claims where someone brings a whistleblowing claim um, in the hope of that being a shield so that they don't end up suffering as a result of their own misconduct. And, and actually, you can divorce the two in the UK. Okay. Same, same here. I would say you're not untouchable, but what you may uh, uh, you know, benefit from is, 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 you know, because you may have acted, although late and although being potentially a perpetrator as well, but uh, seek for some form of reduction of penalty, and and that you know may play well in court, but that will not change the fact if if this is a scenario that you may have you know taken part in the wrongdoings. Great, and just to finish off um, at the end of the investigation, uh, and you know we've found out the facts, and um, there are uh, it's found that, you know, a number of people have been involved to different degrees in in wrongdoing um, in the UK. Christine, what are the sort of different options available to companies in terms of um, how they may deal with those employees? And there's a full gambit and it depends on the, level, the severity. And sometimes in large investigations, we may group people by their level of culpability and then they get sanctions of an equivalent level dependent on that culpability. 
Um, so the, the, obviously the most severe is dismissal. So going down a disciplinary process where the outcome is either a formal warning or, or dismissal. And then that would be um, if, if it was a formal warning on their record. Um, there's also other steps in terms of impact and compensation. So reducing their bonus, for example, if there's a discretionary bonus or having coaching or training or other um, informal um, actions if the uh, behaviour is less severe. Um, in certain regulated sectors, so financial services, for example, there's a whole layer of, of additional considerations in terms of making decisions about people's competence, so their fitness and propriety to un, um, undertake a particular role and particular rules around compensation. So in those sectors, there's an additional layer of things to think about. Um, but yeah, that, those are usually the sort of spectrum of um, options open to an employer. Do, um, what about sort of situation where an employee might be asked to resign? Um, how do those sort of situations play out? Yeah, so so sometimes where the individual, particularly senior individuals, they may be um, given some options, which is we haven't started a disciplinary process. We're not predetermining the outcome of that process because we haven't made a decision yet. But um, obviously, if, if you were of the view that you wanted to resign, we may accept that resignation. Yeah. Um, it's not without risk because we've had cases where individuals have gone down that route and then subsequently claimed it was a constructive dismissal because effectively the employer had already de- predetermined the outcome by inviting the individual to, to resign. So um, there are risks with doing it. Okay, and Jonathan, what, what about with you? It's a similar sort of range of options in the EU? I would say pretty much, and I'm, I can't cover all the EU jurisdiction, and especially on the employment law consideration. What, what I would say from more from a criminal perspective is that, I mean, the premise is that an employer, you know, usually does not enjoy dismissing someone just just as a, as a principle. And so, so uh, we are seeing a change I think in in the be behavior of organizations uh, because of of these of these new framework of these new expectations, and I think the tendency now is shifting to uh, uh, more pressure on companies to react in a way that will be seen as well by the prosecuting authorities as let's say the right response to the issue. And, and, and there is clearly also a moral approach to these situations more and more from uh, the, the, the judicial system. So we, we, I think we, we all have this, you know, series of, of response, you know, the warning, various types of dismissal, et cetera. And so, and, and usually it's depending on how serious the, the breach or, or the situation is, then, you know, the employer tend to choose uh, uh, the right, you know, corresponding uh, disciplinary measure but just again coming back to, to, to the more criminal law aspects of things um with for example the new guidelines that i've mentioned um we know that there was this trend in the us as well there is this idea that uh, um, it is expected from the employer to identify the individuals and to also let the authorities know about the identity of the individuals who are potential perpetrator and and their accomplice and so when the employer uh, reach the point where it needs to decide, you know, what to do, how to solve the issues with regard to, to the, 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 the employment, then they, they factor in more and more the question of, I have to deal with this issue, but I know that I may also have 
and, and that's not true for every situation, but I may also have to, to deal with the issue of, as an organization, maybe being um, assessed or, or being challenged for this, this decision. And so I think that is something that way uh, uh, more, 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 and more, and 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 um, you know, with with regard to uh, um, the resignation uh, and whether or not to accept it. I mean, this is always a possibility, uh, and then it's sometimes a question of of you know who did act uh, faster, and 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 in situation where there is there might be some you know discussion, uh, uh, informal discussion, and someone is 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 raising, oh, you know, I may I may quit, and and I mean. It is what it is, and and I think the usually the first expectation from an external authority with you know serious facts is to see that the, the company uh, uh, um, is not in a in a situation where the, the individuals can still cause harm to the organization or, or to external people. So I think usually that's that's the main consideration, and and then uh, for uh, you know the, the the company sometimes, and especially if the company is, is uh, I would say in, in, at risk as well. You know, for example, criminal exposure. They, they tend to see, oh, you know, will have, uh, uh, will I negotiate a DPA or an, an equivalent with an authority? And that that will be something that sometimes company wants to be able to say, you know, we had the proper reaction, we did react promptly, and mm-hmm. and you know the perpetrators are, are no longer within the organization, and and look at how you know our val- values. Are are not just simple words, but but you know are are are, are real. So so I think the equation uh, is is changing, um, and that is fairly new or fairly recent, I would say, in uh, um, more you know civil law system, uh, who are you know taking absorbing the the uh, you know the approach towards internal investigations, DPAs, and the like, and this has an impact on our employees. Are being treated, uh, uh, and I would say, uh, more severely, in fact, by the organisations. And I'd just add that it, it, if the person resigns at the beginning of an investigation, you do, do need to think carefully about whether you want to accept the resignation if it's going to impede the investigation because the person is no longer going to be available to cooperate with the investigation. Um, that yeah. that sometimes comes up. Yeah, I think I would I would say that the concept of accepting is is probably different because you know, i think in, in many countries it is it's not always open to the employer to accept or not if someone wants to uh leave uh, then there may be a question of of notice but uh, uh sometimes it doesn't really matter and there's no you know option to accept in, in certain countries yeah and it's interesting john because uh, we i've come across that situation as well in um dealing with investigations in in china um for for us companies where um where they've wanted to you know they've been very conscious about their um negotiations with the um us authorities and wanting to say that they took decisive action obviously in the states um there's it's it's quite it's it's easier to to fire than it is in places like china where it's extremely difficult so you quite often find a situation where um, if there's, for example, been wrongdoing in China, then um, uh, a U.S. company will end up saying, right, we, we want to get rid of all of the pe- people who have been involved in this so we can tell the U.S. authorities. Uh, and then they take, you know, they realize that then they're going to have to deal with the employment for- fallout on the ground uh, locally, which will quite often end up in sort of employment claims and having to deal with all of that after the event. Um, so we've, we've come across that before. Um, 
so much to talk about. We could we could go on, but uh, we're out of time. Thank you very much, Jonathan and Christine, for your time today. And thank you very much, listeners, for tuning in. Um, and please join us next time uh, for our next episode, where we're going to be discussing conducting witness interviews during internal investigations. Thank you very much. Thank you.